Film Fanatics. From the silver screen to your earphones. With Alan Azulay and Gal Balaban. Welcome back to Film Fanatics, where we talk about the movies that have us obsessed, excited, and inspired. I'm Gal. And I'm Alan, and today we have a very special interview for you. Before we shift into gears into a messy but beloved genre of high school movies. Today, we have a young filmmaker, a writer, director, editor, cinematographer, who recently came out with his new film, R, about how the first R, uh, R-rated movie got made, at least according to him. <laughs> Please welcome to the show our esteemed guest, Holden Polak. How's it going? Thanks for having me, guys. For well, sure. Holden, how are you today? It's the first time I actually introduced someone, so I'm excited. <laughs> it's usually girls. It's a new milestone for Alan. First, Holden, I'd just like to start by uh, asking you to tell the viewers a bit about yourself, where you're from, how your love of movies and your filmmaking journey began. I'm from Long Beach, California, um, 20 years old. And it really just started with, I, I always had like this, I always wanted to do something with my imagination. And I was always a really creative kid. And my dad got me this the camera when I was 10 years old. And my brother and I just started kind of making comedy skits because I grew up always like exposed to like like Blazing Saddles, anything with Chris Farley, Will Ferrell, and we just started making skits. And then, you know, as I got older, that was around when I was 10, it started to be like maybe five page scripts, then like 20, then really, I think it was two years ago or three years ago, where I was 17, I just started to make my like first feature stuff. Um, I took a, a gap year actually from UCSB, I got in, and I dropped out after five days uh, because I felt like I felt like I wasn't fully ready to be like immersed into the college lifestyle. And I still needed to have time to make my movies because, you know, it's a lot of uh, commitment there. You can't just go off to college and you can, but it's hard when you're doing school and if you're not in the right environment. So that's kind of where I've been at. You know, I've uh, always been kind of butting heads with school, I feel like, and trying to manage time to make my movies with everything else going on in my life. Yeah, that's that. That's great. I feel like we all can uh, relate to that a little bit, uh, as uh, as people that would rather either be making movies or doing mo- or like watching movies instead of going to school. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, very. Yeah, um, I actually uh, something that um, that really caught my eye in your um, in your film. Like, I guess let's shift gears into into your film. Um, for uh, for those uh, who didn't catch the beginning of the of the podcast, it's uh, the name of the movie is R. Uh, tell us a little bit, actually, why, how can people watch it? When is it coming? Is, is it coming out officially anywhere? Like, uh, how is that uh, situation? Uh, as of right now, I just have it as a screener. Um, still figuring out where I really want to uh, release it or distribute it. Um, you know maybe like Tubi. I know I've been talking to uh, Will Parker about it and stuff because he's been kind of helping me navigate everything. Um, he's been awesome with that. But it's an old friend be- of the Film Fanatics podcast. Yeah. Yes, he's just we, like, we've interviewed him before. <laughs> yeah, I listen, I listen to that. He, he's just, he's the nicest guy ever, you know. And he's awesome. He's great. But, yeah, uh, I'm still figuring it all out, but um for right now, if anyone listening wants to message me on Instagram and ask for the link or anything, I'll be happy to send that to them. Uh, 
you know, at Holden Pollock or at most productions right there, go ahead and message me. I'll send it over. Great. Uh, we Spoiler alert, we both uh, recommend it. So go do that after you watch the show. <laughs> um, so I guess first question about the, the movie itself, uh, with casting and uh, writing the, the characters, how did... Did you cast uh, the, the actors first? Did you write with specific actors in mind uh, that you knew from your circles? What, how, how was that process? So I kind of always, uh, I knew this one was going to be a challenge because I've made I think three features before this that were high school based and all of my friends are around my age and, you know, working with your buddies is, is easier. And I was kind of like, oh, okay, oh shit. Like I need to have some adults in this. And my dad, who's the lead, uh, I asked him before I started writing. I always, I had this idea kind of in play because I just thought it'd be very interesting. I don't know if I asked my dad. I just told him kind of that he was going to do it. And he was like gracious <laughs> enough to, to sign on and do it with me. Um, and that was cool. So I definitely wrote for him in mind and kind of wrote with what I, he's not an actor. I kind of wrote what I thought he could do and push him. And then as far as, uh, Robert Sabaroff goes, everyone in this movie pretty much besides Oliver Cooper and Eric Roberts is a friend of a friend of a friend of some sorts. Uh, Mark, I had in mind, I texted for it, but really my dad was the one person who uh, I like knew. Cause you know, when you're writing a, a movie that has this, this much weight, I feel like character wise on one person uh, it's kind of nice to know you have that person to start with. So that was always something I knew from the start. And um, interesting enough, when I, the whole Eric Roberts, Oliver Cooper thing, when I started writing it, I just gone into my first year of college, technically, which I'm at San Luis Obispo. And like I said, it's kind of hard to write while you're at school, at least I feel like, while you're navigating this, for me, at least the time, new lifestyle. And I was on page like 17 of the script. I was going through the motions and then uh, I had DM'd Oliver Cooper, just reaching out, you know, I didn't know if he'd respond. I didn't really think he would, but I like to kind of aim stars and he responds basically saying like, sure, man, like if it sounds good, like thank you for thinking of me. So cool. Like how passionate you are. Um, if it feels right, I'll do it. And then, you know, time went on. And that when you have someone like that, because I'm a big Project X fan, I love Oliver Cooper. Uh, one of the, I think he's extremely underrated. And, and I don't know if you guys have seen Mindhunter, but uh, he actually plays the show. Yeah. Yeah. He's son of Sam in that um, too. And he's just so talented. And when you have that guy being like, basically saying like, give me the script and I'll read it. That kind of put me from page 17 to page 97 in about a month and just like shot me into high gear. And interesting enough, no shade to him. Uh, he kind of stopped responding to me on, on Instagram and not, you know, like leave me on open. And I'm like, well, fuck, I just wrote this part uh, for Oliver, like for you. I wrote that scene for him and I finished the script. And then I just sent like probably like 500 emails to like actors, agents and managers on IMDb, just trying to get everyone. And like I said, I would like shoot for reasonable people and then like, you know, like I shot for like crazy people too. Like I, I got rejected by Johnny Depp, Andrew Garfield's agent, uh, 
like Colin Farrell, Paul Rudd. And it's like cool that they're responding and stuff, like De Niro, but that's you know, insane I, that they responded, yeah. Yeah, yeah I it's good. It's good to say also, like, oh, the actually the Niro passed on this part, but we but we got Eric Robert, so uh so it's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then Eric, what you want to do is when you're when you're looking for the if they don't have an agent or per se, or they're like have management, it's usually a little easier to reach them. So Eric, uh, I emailed his assistant and he got a hold of it. He liked the script and he wanted to do it. And I was like, yes, like, fuck yes. Cause like Oliver at the time, I didn't think he was going to do it. And I really wanted someone like some sort of, uh, established actor in my movie. And then I got Eric in it and I was like, I haven't heard a no from Oliver yet. Let me just tell him that I got Eric in it. And I did. And then he agreed to do it. And he actually lives uh, fairly close to me. So it worked out. And what kind of turned out for him, I think was a little more of a risk because Eric still kind of risky, I guess, but he's one of the top credited actors on IMDb. He does a bunch of small stuff. So for him, it was uh, not super out of the blue. Oliver, it was a little more of a risk. And thank God, by the time he left, uh, uh, we really like liked each other and we, had a good time on set uh one of the like funniest people i've ever met and he's so good he's he's just so good at acting it's it, it's insane i remember him coming in and he really taught me a lot about directing too because when you're filming with your friends i don't normally make people memorize their lines and um we do like i would you go i'll shoot you first then we'll cut to the other guy vice versa back and forth which is kind of this unnatural flow and Oliver goes, let me just take it from the top. And that seems pretty dialogue heavy for him. It's about five pages and pretty much just him with my dad kind of nodding up and down like a bobblehead. And he just does that back and forth for probably probably 10 times over and over again. I'm just sitting there going like, wow, like this guy's amazing. So casting kind of got uh, – I got lucky with it. And also uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme, I met with his manager about him playing – my part but he lives in hong kong and it was like maybe this window in east <laughs> home and i was but it didn't really work out but so you can think about that what that might have been like with him uh at that end scene that would too. have been very hey, interesting for the moon, you know yeah, yeah. i will way, i will say um uh, eric eric roberts um i i love eric roberts like anyway like like you said, he does a bunch of things, and every time every time I see him, he's committed to the to the to the role. Even if he's there for like two minutes, I feel like he's um, he's very committed to it. Very good character actor. Uh, so when I saw him in this in your movie, I kind of for, I forgot that he was in your movie. So when mm -hmm. he came on, I was like, holy shit! <laughs> so there's that's Eric Roberts, and he's like magnetic in this in this whole in this um in this role as Arvin Winkler and uh yeah great great casting like uh he he plays it perfectly it looks like he's enjoying the hell out of himself oh yeah, yeah he, he's was, having a good time that that was uh one of the biggest like blessings i feel like because uh like i said i didn't write that role for him uh i had it in mind but he just killed it and he yeah he had a blast on set uh it was great he was uh he's awesome he's super funny we were talking about his time working with uh, Damien Chazelle because I love Babylon. He, uh, which is that's a hot Fantastic take right movie. there. Stuff like that. But yeah, yeah, me too. I, I love that movie. I we, can we feel both like love it, so you, it's fine. 
I could also feel sort of its influence on R because it's uh, oh, they're yeah. both sort yeah. of about like the vices going behind the Hollywood industry. Even you got the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood poster behind you, or like the player from Robert Altman. Like I, I really felt those vibes when I was watching R. Yeah, uh, I think with Babylon, I I was like almost done with the with the script, and and I remember thinking like, "Fuck, thank God I'm almost done with it because." I'm going to let it I'm going to let it influence me a little but if I hadn't been done with it I feel like I would have let Babylon kind of take over me a little cuz I saw that movie probably three times and it was just so like Eric was kept saying it uh it fell to shit in the editing room which if you think about it, that makes a lot of sense why things might have gone a certain way cuz there's just so much there but uh yeah definitely Babylon I'm a sucker for like for crazy shit in movies uh, I like to say I have a crazy meter. We can tell. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you could. <laughs> um, I like to keep an audience kind of. I like to find the balance between story and entertainment, and I'm used to comedy, so it's like I kind of know like where they're gonna laugh, and comedy is almost like pacing itself with the, the jokes, and that's why it was like a little different for me with this one, because while I feel like art is like a comedy too, it's also has its moments where it's pretty dramatic and uh yeah i think um that's also i'd say about once upon a time in hollywood once upon a time in hollywood is funny as shit and um i yeah. think when you watch it through that lens it's also super serious and uh i like finding that balance right there but also uh having that moment in my movies where the audience goes what the fuck's wrong with this director he's out of his mind uh, he's really weird. You know, that's what I like to, when people are saying that to me, they're freaking out in the movie theater. Um, I had a premiere in Long Beach. We had like about 200 people there at this theater by my house. And it was like my, it was my friends and my family, but then it was also their friends and their friends. And no one had really seen anything yet of me. So I was going into it like, all right, they're going to sit through the hour and without spoiling anything, they're going to sit through the hour and think, okay, we've got it figured out. And then, the shit hits the fan. I'm like, am I about to am I about to freak the fuck out of 200 people and somewhat of people that I don't even know? And you know they loved it, thank God. But that was something I was a little uh, worried about showing like close friends and stuff. I also wanted to ask you about the the character of Jim Brown in the movie, who I thought was really intriguing. Honestly, I didn't even know much about this massive historical figure until I had watched uh, One Night in Miami a couple years ago, where Aldous Hodge played him. Um, he's like this really larger than life figure in your movie. And I wanted to ask a bit about the process with writing him and with directing um, the character, the actor on the set. Cause I thought that was such an intriguing side of this movie. Jamori is one of my best friends. Uh, I've known him for probably almost uh, probably eight years. And funny thing about him is uh, he's a baseball player and he's like wet D one and, he wants to go to the MLB. His brother's in the minors right now. He's just this super athletic. Like, I don't know if you could tell, but he's like six foot six, uh, which Jim Brown isn't. And uh, Jamori is just like, I always want to put him in more shit, but he's so busy all the time because he's always playing and traveling. But he is so good. I wrote that with him in mind. And obviously Jim Brown wasn't as young as he is in the time thing, but I think that kind of works with my story. Uh, I like to think that I have almost a... Uh, like a different like a multiversal take on certain things like uh, my dad's character was older was I think 30 years older than the real Gordon Fleming 
when this happened. Same thing with Robert. They were like 30 when they did that. And Jim Brown kind of was also, uh, I think he was in his late 30s or something. But yeah, writing that character, I knew I had to do um, justice by it because, you know, Jim Brown, he, he's like you said, he's a huge figure. And um, I wanted to really make sure that what I was doing was right because especially I wanted to figure out, like, get behind, like, what type of hardships he had faced joining the movie industry, not just because of his race, but like in the movie, because of, you know, he's a football player. Like if people were going to get behind uh, a black football player joining the movie industry at that time. Um, and I kept watching interviews with him and in uh, one in particular, I remember him being uh, very adamant that he, he didn't want to pay attention to any of the, any of the hate towards him uh, and didn't feel like it had any weight on that race aspect, which when I watched that, it kind of led me to go in a little bit of a different direction with the the script, because if it was a thing um, that he felt like with this movie in particular, oh, I was going to deal with that in the script. And I was going to talk about that and I was going to make it a little bit more known and do justice to that. But Jim Brown was, like you said, this larger than life guy who didn't let shit get to him. And he just kind of carried himself in this. I kind of uh, I kind of romanticized it and like, make it more like you know in this movie he's very very cocky and very uh, uh, like likes to win but he's also a good dude and i think yeah he looks like he's he's like ready to like reinvent the black movie star in the 60s sort of yeah and, and i think that goes that works with i want to do that because of his age that i was making him play if you're younger and he's claiming he has that much success like on the football field uh like my character kind of was um i feel like you're gonna be a little cockier than you would be at that age but i just got this general vibe from jim brown from all the interviews i watched and everything i read that he was just such this uh intelligent man who had his shit together and literally would was just like a perfect like figure to look at if you want to succeed in something and that's something that i admire a lot in anyone uh someone just like keeps pushing for their goals so writing jim brown's character was just it was awesome. I had a blast doing it. I'm so glad Jamori killed it. He is, he is the best actor that is not a real actor that I've ever worked with. Um, you give him any scene and he'll just, he'll just steal it. He'll, he'll take uh, I remember I got this shitty review on litter bo- letterbox uh, and uh, fucking in any, <laughs> even when they're shitting on me, they go like, oh yeah underutilized jamori award or like jamori was good but fuck holden you know like it's like like he can do no wrong like, God, I, hate, I, I hate film film reviewers on letterbox yeah no it's just like he, at jamori, least i'm off from twitter that's that's worse yeah twitter oh that's <laughs> definitely worse definitely <laughs> but yeah no it was it was a blast writing for uh writing for him and i love working with him and i would do it forever and ever uh if i could and i plan to when i'm older uh once i get my shot to give that guy an audition because i think he could take it home i will say like um he was my favorite uh actor in the movie that's not eric eric roberts (laughs) so Mm -hmm. um so yeah i definitely understand that and he was actually my favorite character too so um so so yeah, he really um, he really brought it home. Like and now you're telling me he's not even an actor. 
Uh, yeah, I thought you. I, was, I didn't know you guys were. Friends, I was hundred percent so sure he was. <laughs> I was for sure you got this guy with like a portfolio. Like I didn't know you guys were just friends. I'm got really really lucky, and I got a really tight circle of friends who like making movies with me, and they have fun. And I've been doing it for so long. Um, for them, it's fun when we do like the high school movies because the uh, I made two movies ago. It was called Radical Moonlight. It's a '70s movie, kind of like Dazed and Confused, all in one day um and it was just me and like 20 of my friends uh for a month basically just fucking around and saying this outrageous stuff that i'm writing for them and driving around in vintage cars and just like it's just a blast i feel like movie making is one of the best bonding experiences you can have with someone and that sounds so crazy because you know oh what am i gonna like a kid who doesn't want to make movies like is not gonna go out and make movies to get closer with someone but if you have that inclination or that slightest itch at all and you think your friends might want to do it to anyone listening i would say like go do that because it's awesome and it's just like the best way to i think get closer with a group of guys or whoever you want to hang out with it's 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 a once in a lifetime experience it's great we actually just shot our own uh uh, short film like uh what was it called like three months ago something like that it was a month ago ago, man a month ago no way wow this is in tune bro uh (laughs) so anyway we just we just shot that and i actually i actually i i understand that like with um the people that were there like you create this bond even though it kind of almost destroyed my friendship with gal everything else like with (laughs) everyone else (laughs) I think you yeah, guys don't, don't don't have Gao as a director. I'll tell you that yeah. much for free. No, oh, I'm God. sure. You let's air out our, our our dirty laundry from the from our filming here. I won't retaliate. This isn't about me. Oh, I've had my fights with my friends on my on my set, and when you're the guy who's uh, they, you know, they don't. None of my friends. Uh, are actors or they don't fully want to be they're interested in it but they don't fully want to be and when you're working with your best friends uh, like there are times I have them in like my voice memos when I'm sometimes recording car dialogue where you'll just hear me and my best friend like AJ and I'll just be like he'll be like, he'll be like what the fuck is wrong with you Holden and I'll be like oh, shut the fuck up AJ. do that now and it's like this funny relationship that you have with uh, with your friends and that was another thing going into directing like your dad when you have a more laid back environment, when you're direct, making a high school movie, directing your friends and you're cussing at them, you're, you're joking around, uh, you're having a good time. It's a little more relaxed um, versus your dad. Number one, I'll say my dad took it more seriously. And my dad isn't a 18 year old, 20 year old kid. So it's a little bit easier to direct him, but also it's my dad. And that's kind of fucking weird to direct my dad, um, which I'll say like, I didn't have to do much, but he does do this thing where he likes to start talking in a Southern accent. And that was like the one thing I had to tell him. I don't know where, why he does that, but he'll just run with a line and start talking. But they're in California. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, But that was like, I remember with Eric, there was a part where when we were filming, we were in my dad's office and it was like a Saturday, but there was someone walking down the hall and it was so loud. It pissed me off. And I, we were just waiting because we were in like the heat of that scene and everyone was ready to go. And then after they walk away, my dad just started tapping his feet too, for some reason. And I was just like, 
do not do that, dad. And then Eric, Eric goes, don't yell at your dad. And, and then we kind of like got back into it. But it was just like having that relationship and that balance is uh, is definitely something that's uh, funny to me, at least. What's it like telling your dad to curse so often? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, he he's been reading my scripts for a while. And he's just like always tells me like, you don't need this much fucking there. You don't need this much cocksucker all this stuff you don't need it Holden. and i go oh, i don't need it but i want it and and so for him <laughs> he kind of is able to look at it now as like he'll he's gonna do the role how i want it um my older brother is kind of a loose cannon too uh and we both are just kind of you know they're used to hearing us walk around the house for so long just saying outlandish stuff and my dad hearing him curse like that it's I have this separation, I think, with my characters and whoever they are uh, in the most non-asshole way possible. I just want you to do your fucking role, basically. And with my dad, it's like, it's funny to hear him say, like, when I hear him say stuff like, um, like, I try to think when he's saying, like, what, like, where the fuck is the cheetah? Or like, I'm looking at him in the room with not to give things away with like, people uh like wearing those costumes and stuff that's when i'm when i go back in i'm like what's going on here but i like to have this separation i think and i can't really control it where my dad's not my dad when we're filming he's he's gordon fleming and i really just care about getting my vision made um obviously i care about my dad too i love him but that's what we're there for we're not here to uh you know uh maybe in between takes we're having father-son time but we're here to get this script done and get it, the vision made. So, yeah. Very Garden Fleming of you. I'll, I'll tell yeah, you that. very, yeah. <laughs> the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Yeah, no. From, yeah, the, from the fake tree. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, like, um, I, a lot, that's something I want to talk about because hearing you talk about the movie like that and about your relationship with the actors and the material and all that, it does it does make me understand how Gordon behaves a lot more because it is in some way, I feel like maybe if you, maybe you didn't do this like on purpose, but like maybe subconsciously you put a little bit of yourself in, um, in Gordon there. And I know like we've done that when we've wrote scripts before. So for sure, like um, uh, there's a, at least a little bit from your past experiences as a director and all that. So, so yeah, I just, uh, yeah, I wanted to compliment compliment you on that because like it as at least as a person who has been in the other side of that like it just it, it really translates thank you yeah there's a this is my most personal script by far the ideas that started our word i've always loved already movies i've always loved to push the boundaries uh my mom kind of had me on this pg-13 line when i was making movies with my brother and it was so funny for us to try and not cross it and i just like love the idea of having this ultimate freedom to do what you want in movies. And then there was this legend I'd heard of Scorsese that Tarantino talks about where it was Scorsese was gonna get an X rating on Taxi Driver because the end shootout and because the blood. And apparently he locks himself in this room with a gun, gets drunk and is gonna go kill the producer of the movie the next morning. That's a, a legend that happened. And I, I, yeah, I don't know if you guys heard that, but apparently, uh, you know, that's what happened. And all he had to do was, uh, color grade the blood to a little bit of a brighter cherry blood than dark and that was like i was like 
what would a director do if he gets his passion project fucked in the ass? And I thought an R rating that never had been half like you know there was PG and then there was porn basically that's the spectrum right now because PG thirteen wasn't invented. X directed by Ty West. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking at the Temple of Doom poster right now. It's just 1984. That's when PG thirteen came out. So it's like, what happens when this like foreign rating is slapped on? And what would happen? And um, I'm getting a little sidetracked now, but yeah, I, I I had to look within myself what I would feel like. And that was going to be the original ending. And I just felt like I had to, if that was how it was going to end, then that was how it was going to end for me in real life. I was like, there has to be something that works out for this guy. Um, otherwise I'm fucking nuts is what I felt like. And so writing this, it was very, uh, it was very, um, it was a therapeutic process. I feel like, and I got to like call myself out on stuff that I know that I do as a filmmaker and a person and a friend, really, I'd say a big plot of this movie for me is like the friendship aspect between Gordon and uh, Robert. And like I said, collaborating with my friends all the time and family, that's how I view my film sets is like, if you're on my set, like you're my family. And that was just a uh, super personal to me, this whole movie, very, uh, very personal emotional experience and the craziest part was like how the oliver cooper eric roberts thing kind of came together towards the end of the movie and a whole part of my movie is make your movie how you want don't worry about the accolades don't worry about the people in it don't worry about the fame and i got my first two real actors in it and one of which i admired for so long oliver uh so it was just it was really weird i'd say when that happened for me personally because it helped it, it felt rewarding in a way so definitely very very personal script um i'm glad you noticed that too that's i don't think there's a more perfect way to to end the interview part of our show with than uh than that uh a reminder uh if you're watching just the video of the interview go follow uh Houghton and please uh, give him a uh, shoot him a message so he can send you a link you won't regret it it's it's a great time but if, if you're here you love movies so there's no reason why you. Would this interview watch. didn't encourage you to watch it. I don't know what will. Shoot him, slide into his DMs. Do it. <laughs> in a non rated way, please. Uh, yeah, so, not in an uh, R rated way. <laughs> yes. Or in an R rated way. Uh, maybe he would like that more. I know, I'm joking. Don't do that. I <laughs> cursing, is uh, what we mean. Maybe cursing, yeah. Yeah, um, tell me if I send you the link and I'll do it. Exactly. Uh, so anyway, let's let's go. Let's get on with the show. Um, today we're talking about high school, and we're starting with one with one all the way back from 1982, Fast Times at Richmond High. It was written by Cameron Crowe, and it was based on a book that he wrote. And if I'm not mistaken, this is sort of what launched his career into such a big filmmaker, because now he did Jerry Maguire. He did um, Almost Famous, which is a personal favorite movie of mine. I love that movie. And it's directed by Amy Heckerling, who also did Clueless. And it's got a lot of people in it who are uh, who went on to be really successful, including Sean Penn, Jennifer Jason Lee, who I actually didn't recognize until like halfway into this movie, and Judge Reinhold, and also Forrest Whitaker, who I didn't know was going to be in the movie. And I went out loud, even though I was alone in the room. Oh, my God, that's Forrest Whitaker. When I watched, I actually I did the same just thing, actually. <laughs> I actually just watched this movie for the first time for this episode. I watched it a couple days ago, and it's a really same. enjoyable one. It gave me 
it gave me the similar vibes to Days and Confused, which you just mentioned, which um, and that is a lot of just about people hanging out and going through the weirdness of teenage life and being kind of reckless. And um, I I actually just enjoyed how like uh, loose and like not unpredictable, but uh, the characters were just doing like these odd, crazy things. It was more about the the hanging out and the vibe rather than the the plot. But unlike Days and Confused, it's not one day; it's a whole year. Did um did you two notice uh Nick Cage was in it? Yes, yes. What? It's for a split second. Yeah, yeah he's oh, Nick Cage. He's on the bleachers of, during the football game where Forrest Whitaker wins. He's in it for like a split second, and he's doing this. No, he's and in I, the, uh, that the can't be. He's in the restaurant. He works at with uh, with Brad, oh. uh, the main character. If you if you take a look back, you'll see. I think he's got the hat on stuff, but I had no fucking idea he was in that until I think this year. I yeah, did, I did uh, not recognize him at all. I would have probably like said something if I if I recognized him before, but yeah, no. I just watched. They played it for I don't know what anniversary it was, but they just played it. I think last year, um, in the movie theater. Uh, yeah, they they re-released. It. I saw it at a at a Regal, and before it came on, it was like there was a Paul Thomas Anderson Q and A with the uh, the the writer of it or the producer, someone that I forget. Oh no, the director. Sorry, because Cameron Crowe didn't direct it; he just wrote it. Uh, um, yeah, I'm I'm ninety nine percent sure. Um, but yeah, Amy yeah, Heckerling uh, directed it. Yeah, that was uh, there was a Q and A before, which was awesome, but. Yeah, I, I love uh, Fast Times. It's one of my favorites. Um, I always like to, like that that soundtrack too is just absolutely phenomenal. I uh, like comparing it to Days to Confused, which I think is like those two. I think are kind of held in their own on their own pedestal. I always say that I think Fast Times might have taken a little bit too serious of a turn at that point in the movie with the abortion i I always felt that that it kind of took this that's uh, when it when it kind of fell off for me honestly <laughs> yeah yeah because it's supposed to be a high school like a light high school movie and yeah that shit happens but when you're setting this other tone i think the whole way through kind of you got sean penn uh just going nuts i love it i love it but that's like my one caveat i always say about that is that it just takes a really dark dark turn uh with damone's character but but I still love. They're just kind of a dick. Like also, he acts I like he's him. much older. Like he like the way he talks, he acts like he was a character from Goodfellas, not a freaking high schooler. Yeah, and he was not good looking enough, or didn't have that. Uh, I don't know where he got his confidence from uh, to leave a girl hanging uh, for an abortion. <laughs> but uh, underrated villain, I'll say he's a fucking asshole in that yeah. movie. When they're in the restaurant, uh, his best friend. Um... Is on the date with Jennifer Jason Lee's character. I completely forgot her name, but uh, when they're in the re- when they're in the restaurant, and he shows up to give him the wallet, I was like, oh, maybe this guy's okay, because I was like, because he was being a bit of assholey, but like, in a way that's more like previously would be like fine, sexy, sexual, assholey kind of thing. So maybe for the movie he would be okay, but then the second he looked at her, I was like, oh. This asshole's gonna st- try to steal her, isn't he? Cox's best friend. Also, yeah. his best friend is nicknamed Rat. Like, how do you how do you get by in high school named Rat? I, I, I yeah. don't doubt that he's the one that gave him the the nickname. Yeah, he. Uh, 
the friend, like the night, the, the super, he's just a super sweet kid. And you just feel like he just got completely fucked over um, by yeah. a guy who doesn't even deserve his friendship is what I felt like. Like, what the fuck? No bro code at all over there. Yeah, bro. He did not watch. They didn't have How I Met Your Mother back then. But if, I feel like that's very realistic, though. A lot of, a lot of times this like super like very nice uh, nerdy guys who have like these horrible asshole friends that like would uh would like screw them over any chance they get but like once in a while they'll do something nice like the wallet thing or like giving him the courage to talk to the girl he liked or something and like they sort of like get back on their good graces even though like they're horrible yeah i i, but I feel that, like that was very realistic for like high school i feel like that's a very high school friendship yeah. also speaking of funny names the teacher's name is mr hand like is like no one yeah and no one makes a joke about it and that frustrated me so much yeah also like sean penn's character jess Spicoli, he's like the worst so you would totally expect him to make a joke about it you'd be like yeah mr hand give me a high five like something stupid like that but like that's the one line that he doesn't cross every other line he does the worst i've looked like High, I think every high school probably has its fair share of idiots. I've never seen someone order a pizza during the class. Like that was just hilarious to me that he just oh, had to do that. I I, uh, I always think that there's this. Uh, I know we're we're gonna talk about it later. So it was super bad, but uh, there's this fine line with like high school movies of being relatable and being realistic, and then there's that like like the ordering pizza in class or like in super bad the cops with McLovin like like it's a movie at the end of the day too. And you want to have that kind of uh, movie magic that's taking you out of it and making it not as documentary esque. I feel like, and I think that part, Jess McCauley, uh, he carries that part on his uh, yeah. shoulders. There are guys like that. I mean, I went to school uh, in my high school where we had a pretty big surf team and some of them were definitely like him to an extent, but not like, not that bad, which I thought was just yeah. hilarious. He should have won an Oscar for that. You know, let's get him another one. Let's get uh, Sean Penn another gold statue. Oscar three. Whenever I was watching him, I was just thinking he's exactly like Bill and Ted. Like oh. I was just thinking, um, like picturing like Bill and Ted going like we're the wild stallions or like sixty nine dudes. Like that's the vibe that he gave off for me. And I thought that it was really funny that every time that he and him and his friends went anywhere, they would just get out of this Scooby Doo esque van. <laughs> And it was the like mystery full of, it was just full of smoke, and it was like the most like '80s way to show that a guy is high without showing him actually smoking. Uh, so yeah, that that part always uh, cracked me up as well. I think I've seen that twice in theaters because there's always theaters that are playing these oldies. I think my dad and I watched that when I was like 15 or something, uh, and that was just like that was just crazy. Not to be that guy, but we're on the Film Fanatics podcast, you know, um, and go see, go to the fucking movies if you're listening to this. That's yes, my point, right? For the love of God, watching mm-hmm. watching Fast Times, I've seen it like ten times on the TV versus on the big screen. Like you notice things that you haven't before, and it's just it's just the way to go watch it. So that's my rant about that. But back to it, you know, I, I had to get that out there. Yeah, that's a good way to 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 end our talk in the in a. Fast Times at Richmond High, and usually holding in the end of the each movie, we give it a score out of ten. Why don't we start with you? You're our esteemed guest, and this is apparently one of your favorite movies. So uh, let's uh, let's start with you. Honestly, I'm gonna give it 
like a like a nine out of ten. Uh, and I know it's super high, but I love it. I love that movie. I love uh, the things that go on in it. I think it's uh, very relatable, but also not at the same time. And the only one point I knock off is, like I said, where it takes that dark turn. But if you were to be, if, I think I give it that score because if you were to be like, how should I write a high school movie? I would just send you down that path to go watch it. And like I talked to Gal about, like, that's why we're, uh, we're reviewing it. You know, it's just classic. I just, one of my favorite movies. Yeah. Gal? I'd say seven and a half out of 10 because of, Mike Damone. Nah, I, I enjoyed it. I think it's a fun one. I wouldn't prefer it to Days and Confuse, but it's definitely a fun one in the high school movies collection. Um, yeah, give it a watch, I would say. Yeah, I feel like a lot of movies are also like when you watch it, how you watch it, all of that. I feel like maybe, again, if we had watched it uh, at a packed screening, uh, like um, or just at a screening in general, and not at like a tiny laptop screen. <laughs> I feel like that usually bumps up my rating a little bit just because of the whole experience of it. I will go a little bit lower. I will go like uh, more like a seven. Again, I, lo- I I really like the movie, but there's some parts of it that like, especially the, the abortion scene that like really like kind of like took me out. Um, and I felt kind of confused of what the movie was trying to like do. But yeah, maybe if I watch it again, it would, with uh having talked to to you Holden, maybe we maybe i'll have a different experience uh, next time but i definitely had fun Go let's on. move on we're going we're going through the ages i feel this was the next big high school movie and for us not for us but uh for for a lot of people it's considered the quintessential high school movie it is the breakfast club tell us a little bit more about that gal the breakfast club is one of many high school movies from Mr. John Hughes. Uh, I think it's my favorite from the ones that he's directed. And you've got a cast that's got Anthony Michael Hall, Emilio Estevez, Molly Ringwald, Judd Nelson, and Ali Sheedy as The Breakfast Club. I watched this movie, I think, when I was 16 for the first time. And I think it was, it wasn't on a big screen. Was, I think it might have even been on a plane or something like that. You, when you play the opening credits and you hear, don't you? forget about me i knew right away like i was going to enjoy this movie and i think if you watch it today maybe the concept of like these different social groups like the jock and the like the weird girl or like the etc like all learning to get along i think now it's been done to death but this was the original for for this yeah. concept that's now been done to death across genres but i really enjoy it i think all the vibes are great and um great dance scenes too um, speaking of assholes in high school, Judd Nelson's character, uh, damn. Yeah. Yeah, he he gets, like, like, like they, I feel like we're talking about two guys that definitely, lear, like, earned their place in the high school asshole hall of fame <laughs> of uh, filmmaking because, man, these two guys are horrible. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, like, at least we've, uh, with this particular character, we get more on, like, why he is the way he is. We get, like, his backstory. Again, like Gal said, this kind of has been done to death right now. Of, like, oh, you're an asshole because your dad is an abused piece of shit. Like, that that has been done, like, a quadrazillion times uh, in movies and TV at this point. But, again, you have to think that in the 80s, that wasn't that 
normal to talk about, especially in like a high school movie. That's why I think I like this movie so much that besides the super fun parts, you really understand with just their conversations. Like we don't have like, um, you know, like uh, like flashbacks or anything like that, but just with the conversations and uh, the way they 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 the relationships build, you really understand like their backstories and all that. Because it is very simple in the beginning, or oh, the jock, the hot girl, the this, the that. But uh, by then, they're really more complex characters, and I really appreciate that because it. Besides elevating the the movie a bit, it also like, it was still, f- very fun. Like it didn't compromise on the fun. I feel like, at one point by then, it got a little bit preachy, like uh, in this rewatch, uh, like when they <laughs> when they're having like that really deep conversation. And the guy, one of the guys talk, talks about killing himself, and then they start laughing. And yeah, like, Michael Hall's character. Yeah, like um, that was the only part of the movie that like took me out of it a little bit. Everything else was like, uh, yeah, I, I, again, I've watched this movie before. This was a rewatch; it wasn't like the first time that I watched it, but it's the first time I watched it maybe as an adult. And uh, yeah, I had a blast. Yeah, I think um, I think John Hughes. He's one of my biggest inspirations. He's a, a masterful storyteller. One of my favorites, I think, of his is definitely Weird Science. Uh, love Anthony Michael Hall. I haven't seen that one yet. It, it, it's really good. You should watch it. Um, and what's called? Uh, I think this tone, we were talking about tones with uh, Fast Times. I think this one is set a little bit more serious at the start, I think, and kind of keeps you through that. Like you said, there's a lot of room for fun. One of my favorite things is the relationship between the principal and them. Um, and I think that I think that the fact that John Hughes is able to do this whole story pretty much within all the the the, the room, but all at the school, I think, and to make it like so engaging. We talked about how in the '80s, not all this stuff was uh, it wasn't beat to death yet. The whole uh, no pun intended, the whole abusive father thing, uh, yeah. and um, I think that. A lot of the problems that these kids have and stuff, it was really refreshing for at the time uh, for them to see that on a, on a movie screen and feel a little bit more connected. Maybe kids that were, yeah, high schoolers to just feel a little more sense of relatability to characters. I haven't watched uh, the one you mentioned, uh, Weird Science, but from the ones I've seen, uh, my favorite of these is definitely uh, Ferris Bueller's uh, Day, Day Off. Like that's definitely my favorite. Like, you know, I think they're tied for me. I take back what I said about this one definitely being over. I think they're like tied for me. I um yeah, like- I live uh, right next to the Ferris Bueller's house. Actually, it's like right in my neighborhood, so I drive by it uh, here and there. Wow. Yeah, that movie's that movie's up there for me too. That 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 one might be uh, my favorite of his. Actually, it's got Alan yeah. Ruff. It was a fever dream as a kid to watch that movie. I was like, man. I want to do that. <laughs> yeah. Even though it was like the 2000s. That's a Ferrari. Uh, uh, Gal, let's start with you this time. What rating do you give to The Breakfast Club? I'd say eight and a half. I think this one holds up a little bit better than Fast Times. I'd say it holds up better. Also, the, um, the raising the fist shot is really iconic in pop culture in general for film lovers. I don't know if y'all have seen Pitch Perfect, but Anna Kendrick like cries to that final scene in that movie. So that's a that's a funny uh, plug that I'll I'll throw in there. I'll mirror your uh, eight and a half here. Um, 
yeah, it's just a blast of a movie. And I could pop it on probably at any time and have a good time. I'll give it an eight. I'm a sucker for a little bit more goofy in in high school movies uh, and a little bit more uh, wildness just because that's how I feel like my experience was a little bit. And like, <laughs> I, hold, I hold that like dear close to me. Um, but I, I love that movie. Yeah, I definitely. get that. <laughs> that's a yeah. great segue into our next movie, huh? Yeah. Um, so yeah. we're going forward a bit into the another era of high school movies. We're going a whole 22 years forward into Superbad, directed by Greg Matola and written by Evan Goldberg and Seth Rogen. You got uh, Michael Cera, Jonah Hill as Seth and Evan. Um, not very, uh, not very subtle. But you also got Emma Stone, Bill Hader, um, Seth Rogen himself, and Christopher Mintzplass as Fogel, or as he may be better known, McLovin. McLovin. In popular culture. AKA the best high school character of all time, in my humble opinion. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. Oh no, go you, ahead. You, uh, this, this movie definitely like is probably my second favorite movie of all time. It had this wow. crazy, crazy influence on me um, and my friends. And I remember we like, it became our like favorite in middle school. And I've had these group of friends for almost a decade now. And it was just like, we were like, oh, I want to do that in high school. I want it to be anything similar to that experience. <laughs> like, not like, not like we talked about like, you know, there's like the crazy stuff that like would never happen, like with the cops and McLovin and that relationship that they had. That movie so influential on me. Um, I'm going to send you guys some links to my older stuff, uh, my high school movies, so you can kind of see what I mean. But um, it's just such a pinnacle of storytelling. And the fact that Evan Goldberg and Seth Rogen wrote it when they were like 15 and developed it. And I still think it's just that it's the most relatable and the best high school movie I think ever. And I think I feel like we'd get along with them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like I think Holden was writing that script. Like we would have had a crazier movie even. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, that, that movie's just, it's just fucking amazing. And it was part of that wave yeah. of crazy raunchy comedies, I think with like, you know, 40 year old virgin, cause obviously it's Judd Apatow. And then these two just became skyrocketed stars from it. Um, I'm looking at a poster of it right now in my room. It's just absolutely uh, the most influential movie on me. And that whole all-in-one-day story that you see in other high school movies, like we talk about Days and stuff, and even Breakfast Club. Uh, I love that type of storytelling. And I think that's how I started writing uh, as, a, as a screenwriter. If someone wants to start, I'd say, go write a fucking all-in-one-day story. You have these perimeters that allow you within this time slot. It'll help you write better. And it's super fucking fun to do. This is actually also my favorite high school movie of all time. And awesome. I just opened my letterbox just to make sure as how like uh, how high it is on my top favorite movies of all time. I'll stop. And it is the, my 15th favorite movie of all time. Uh, Holy, really? I wow. love this movie to death. This is uh, one of the first Bad. movies that I, fell, that I fell in love with. Kind of like Holden in like middle school-ish. Watching it with my friends and like uh, when we're like going away on trips and like always rewatching it, and um, yeah, like uh, especially I had like, like I loved Jonah Hill's character, um, like I I loved his uh, his arc in this movie, and 
I rewatched <laughs> this movie probably at least if not every two every year, maybe every two years. And it is always a blast, doesn't matter how old I am. And um, it always really kills me in the nostalgia, especially like the McLovin scenes and all that. The but, fact uh, that Jonah Hill oh, yeah. pulled Emma Stone, I think inspired all of us young men. I know, right? Yeah, like that was, that was uh, I will say. Uh, like he fell on her drunk and she like forgave him the next day. It's like, oh, we, we got this. No, That's a cool girl right there. I mean, Emma Stone in all the movies, she's just like, I feel like she's the coolest in all of them. But like in... in this, movie, this was her breakout. Like, yeah, it was for all that. It, and it, I think it influenced um, a goal of mine is to bring back this golden age of comedy. I feel like I have a background growing up watching all these comedies. I, that's like my my go to. Um, I've always said that what I want to have my start in wise is I want to write this. I have this high school epic planned of all these accumulated things that have happened and all these ideas. And Superbad is just like a great influence of that. I want to make people laugh again and bring them out to the cinema and super bad is just a pinnacle of that influence right there. Like I want people, you know, come out, laugh, have a good time. Um, if you get offended, that's what you're supposed to do. You know, that's, that's what movies are for. You're supposed to laugh and you're supposed to get poked fun at a little bit. And I think it's good for everyone to kind of get made fun of a little bit in a certain way. I also think super bad, like inspired this, a short-lived era of crazy high school party movies like we've talked about project x today or 21 and over came out like right after which i think is a very similar concept i haven't watched it but i just remember that sort of became a thing like like what the hell crazy shit could be going on in this house where the parents aren't home uh so i think super bad sort of made way for that but it's also i will say i don't think this is one of my favorite movies but it's one of my favorite movies to watch if that makes sense. Like I've seen it a couple of times. I think I saw it for the first time when I was 14 and I remember having a blast. You can't not laugh when he goes, why the fuck would it be between McLovin and Muhammad? Like just, that's just a classic joke. Or when, when you got the robbery and then Bill Hader and Seth Rogen are there and he's like, they're like, your name is McLovin. He's like, yeah. And he's like shitting his pants. And they're like, Oh, cool. Great. Cool. And only they could do that. Like if it wasn't Bill Hader or Seth Rogen, it, it wouldn't work. Also, I just got off of my, my Barry binge. So it's another Bill yeah. Hader plug for you. I love Have you seen that? Oh, I, yeah. I just finished the whole thing yesterday. Really? So, yeah. Fantastic. He, he's so good. He's so funny too. It was good to see uh, Seth Rogen in it too. I remember watching it. I didn't know that they wrote it when they were younger. That was also something that was super inspiring to me was that these two like high school best friends wrote a movie about themselves. And I was like, well, fuck, like I want to do that. Like with my best friends and like, that would be awesome. So just like great movie. I just did the calculations and this movie came out when I was like 11 turning 12. So uh, I think that also uh, really like helps like how it impacted me. Uh, my aunt used to have like this screening room in her in her beach house and like i remember i maybe that's the first time i watched it um so yeah like in the big screen it was it was amazing like that man that movie is that movie is special to me like i like i guess it's special to olden like uh yeah that's that's definitely one of the movies i hold like closest uh to me in like my movie lover type of thing also the scene when they're like in the room together after all the madness and they just say like i love you man like as friends i think it's a very 
important scene for young guys to watch to show that you can just have like close friendly love and you can be open about it and you can show emotions to your good friends without being judged i honestly think like if if you get anything positive from the behavior of these characters it's that scene it's a it's a lovely moment between hill yeah. and sarah i have a really close relationship like i've said with my friends and uh, i love them to death and i wouldn't be anywhere where i was without them and i actually in a way got like super bad at my two best friends when i was going to santa barbara uh they went to slow which is where i am now thank god like so i'm with my best friends but i remember feeling like holy fuck like at the time um you know i'm kind of like alone and like that movie ending always felt so real and i, I don't think it fully kicked in until i was like a end of sophomore year but uh that ending just gets me every time and their relationship i think uh, yeah. like you said really important for people teens are guys to show it's like okay to tell your friends like you fucking love them you know like it's fine to do that yeah and going to college is like scary as shit especially when you're right there like in the thick of it and uh this movie also addresses that like you just said and like like uh even though like um yeah they they go to college and all that like uh it's it's okay like uh the movie kind of tells you you know what scary it's fine enjoy high school you can but it's okay uh we all move on and uh, about your friends kind of beautiful let's start with gal because i think me and holden have a have a pretty good score to to dish out this one i think i'm gonna be the lowest by far but it's still a nine out of ten i love this movie holden are we both a 10 out of 10 easy yeah yeah if not higher yeah a 10 and a half from me and holden. yeah we'll give uh, that this one. <laughs> uh, yeah this movie is perfect so now let's jump on another decade about actually nine years later uh to what a lot of people would say it's probably the best high school movie maybe in the last uh 10 years maybe our second maybe our other movie in this list will say something about that but mm -hmm. it is edge of 17 tell us a little bit more about that girl it's directed by kelly freeman craig who also just released are you there god it's me margaret which also a great movie by the way um and you got Haley steinfeld who got i think a golden globe nomination or something for this movie you got woody harrelson uh kira sedwick blake jenner and Haley lou richardson in the cast um and Haley lou richardson i may have a bit of a crush on after watching the white lotus season two so yeah i will say when i said that that it's the best uh, high school movie the last 10 years that's because that's my opinion <laughs> uh yeah. I, I i love this movie to death also partly because of my crush on uh, Haley steinfeld that has lasted the last 10 years but uh also partly oh yeah because yeah it's amazing it's amazing <laughs> but uh just because uh this movie is, is so sweet and so relatable and um i related a lot of to like her arc in this movie even what i watched it old uh older when i was 2016 i was probably i was like 19 ish maybe 20 so i watched when i was older and it still like hit me like uh the stuff that she goes through in high school like i felt like i went through like similar stuff in high school the relationship she has with uh, woody harrison's character is also like just really nice this is this is a really feel good movie like it's it's a nice different is type the word like uh maybe i'm remembering incorrectly then uh, he's kind of mean to her at first i know but like they develop like this this uh this sort of like 
beautiful relationship of a, like a mentor and a and like a like yeah. a student. Um, Even though he's and, grumpy uh, as shit. Yeah, the the best teachers are grumpy as shit. Uh, and <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, like just uh, I just remember yeah loving this movie and uh, it was one of my favorite movies of uh, 2016. So so yeah, I'm glad uh, we're talking about it. <laughs> I liked how raunchy it was. I remember her, her uh, Haley Steinfeld's character. I thought that she was like, kind of like a badass. So I like that. Uh, yeah. I like when there's characters that are, don't come across as the nicest people, but you can tell they have a good heart, like through. Exactly. Like, that's, through, exactly like, that's exactly what I meant. Yeah. 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 And I feel like that's, um, that could come. Sometimes people are trying to say things. Uh, it's like, they're trying to tell you they love you, but, they're telling you fuck you you know and i like those characters when you can kind of tell as the audience member what's going on this is again it's like not one of my favorite movies but it's really special it's Haley steinfeld in this movie i think is wonderful and i have a weird journey with this movie i didn't catch it in theaters but i saw it on a plane once i don't remember why i turned it off after 10 minutes maybe i thought it was like dumb or something flash forward maybe even a year and it's like on, I'm at my grandparents' house and I'm like looking at the on-demand for the movies for free. Edge of 17 is playing. I give it another go and I just, Haley is just, I think this might be her best role. Because um, she shows I like how much she's hurting from her dad's loss. And her mom and her brother are so emotionally unavailable. Her best friend is uh, is getting on with her brother. So she kind of doesn't know how to carry on. But she does have a really touching like romantic interest with this guy who likes like animation filmmaking. I always thought that was so sweet, but I, I do think by the end of the day, even though like the characters can come off as unpleasant, you don't feel that this is like an, unple- like there are parts where savage and whatnot, but there's something really earnest to this movie. Um, it wants you to be charmed. It wants you to laugh uh, without like making a mockery of these characters at all. And there's that scene with uh, with Blake Jenner where he's like, without saying it, like he's admitting to her when he comes to pick her up from Woody Harrelson's place, like how much he does actually care about her, um, which Blake Jenner's personal life aside, he nails that scene. Yeah, I feel like that's hitting the nail in the, in the head right there. Because like this movie is very like, it's weirdly sweet. Like because if you if you actually break down everything that the characters say and the characters do, it's very raunchy, like uh, like Holden said before. But like it has this uh, layer of uh, like kind of like sweetness behind it, and it always shows through. Like you know, it it seems like the like a really raunchy thing that's coming from a place of love, and I feel like that's like um, something almost like magical that this uh, this movie has that a lot of other high school movies. Like definitely don't. It, it holds its own in its own special place, and I think that's what you all you can ask for with these high school movies and everything is a sense of originality to it, and not uh, reusing the same recipe to an extent. I think Edge of Seventeen. Uh, that's the one thing I always remember about it was, thank you for something fresh, like from that movie. So, I feel like yeah, when I watch a lot of high school, there's a lot of these kinds of movies, and I feel like when I watch a lot of them now, I'm programmed to like look for that same kind of feeling Edge of 17 gave me and really only like Lady Bird and 8th grade reached those heights for me. 
Yeah, I agree. I I, saw, I remember watching Eighth Grade uh, in the theater, and I just watched Lady Bird. I think both those, they yeah, they they kind of in their little trio group right there. That's a phenomenal triple feature, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Just simply because I know I need to rewatch it, uh, but I remember really liking it at the time. I'm going to give it a seven out of ten. Go. I'll say eight and a half, even though I enjoy it more than Breakfast Club. They're like, yeah, I'll say eight and a half for now, but hi. Well, these these ratings sometimes kill me. Yeah, I hate doing them, but we, we still do it every single week. Uh, <laughs> it might it might actually be in my top three high school movies of all time. Uh, and I'm going to give it a nine. Uh, I, yeah, I, Damn, I, I want to watch it again tonight. What have you done to me? I have a yeah. really, like... You know how Gao has a weird relationship with this movie? I don't. I watch it once, love it, watch it twice, love it, and all the times that I watch it. I was on a plane, okay? (laughs) (laughs) That's fine, that's fine. You should watch Uncharted on a plane, not The Edge of 17. Okay, let's uh, let's move on. We just mentioned the movie that we're going to talk about now. Uh, And actually, this director just had her biggest, and any woman director's biggest opening weekend of all time, uh, tell us a little bit more about Lady Bird. So Lady Bird is by far the most award successful movie that we've talked about. Um, and it's directed yeah. and written by Greta Gerwig, who uh, for genius. a while was this icon in like acting or writing with uh, Noah Baumbach in these like mumblecore movies that were sort of just about like an era in someone's life. And the, uh from this recent era of actors breaking out as directors, she's easily been one of the most notable. And I think she's also, um, I think Lady Bird really marked both awards and just in the industry. I think it marked a really important place in the industry for female directors and their voices. Um, I think if you talk about female directors now, Greta Gerwig's voice is like up there. And of course you've got Saoirse Ronan who, only 26 or 27 has four Oscar nominations. This is one of them. Laurie Metcalf is in this movie. Lucas Hedges, Timothy Chalamet, the lovely Beanie Feldstein, also Tracy Letts, Stephen McKinley Henderson, and a lot more people. It's a packed movie. Thank God. Gal kind of like pushed me to watch it a little bit because I hadn't seen it. I was a little bit reluctant um, just because, you know, I, I didn't know with uh, the trailer and stuff how much I would like it. And I actually ended up really enjoying it. And I thought that it was just, it was, it was funny as hell. And uh, I remember the one part that, that uh, got me when I first started watching it was when they were talking about the, the really rich girl who's driving like the Range Rover and um, Lady Bird's like, oh yeah, she doesn't actually like take it off-roading or anything. She just shops at pavilions. And I don't know why. I just thought that was so ridiculously (laughs) funny. But uh, I think Greta Gerwig, like you said, is a genius. She's a mastermind. I just watched Barbie. Uh, I love her writing. And I love how honest all the characters feel. Uh, And nothing feels like she's trying to make you understand them. You kind of just get it right off the bat. And I think she just has such a masterful way of storytelling. And talk about a movie with a loose plot structure, uh, which are my favorite types of movies, even Once Upon a Time in Hollywood that has that loose hangout movie feel. Uh, this movie is definitely more thematically uh, grounded, I'd say, than other things like Dazed or Fast Times. Um, but it has that healthy median, I think, of 
God, this shit is funny as fuck. And wow, like I feel for these characters and I understand even me, you know, I'm not a, a 18 year old girl who went to Catholic school. But yeah, no, it's a, it's a great movie. And I'm really glad I, I watched it. And I'm going to go kind of take a deep dive through uh, later on in Greta Gerwig's. Uh, I need to go watch all her shit because uh, I really enjoy her as a filmmaker. I can I can help you with that because she also wrote some stuff before she started directing. Uh, Francis Hall is a great one. So I got you. Oh, Francis um, Hall is great. It's, Noah it's also like this. Yeah, Noah Bumbach directed. Yeah, Greta Gerwig plays Francis in that movie. There's a story in the industry that, like, uh, right after How I Met Your Mother ended, it was going to have a spin-off that exists today, actually, with Hilary Duff. But back then, 2015, uh, it was supposed to also be called, like, no, I think it was supposed to be called How I Met Your Dad for some reason instead of Father. Is it now Dad and or Father? I don't watch it. Now so it's like... Father. Now it's Father. But okay. back in the day, it was supposed to be Dad. Uh, it was supposed to be Dad and Greta Gerwig were supposed to be the character telling the kids how she met their dad, right? Mm -hmm. uh, this was, again, before uh, Lady Bird and all that. And the, they shot a pilot. Apparently, the pilot was, like, mildly successful. It was going to get picked up right after uh, How I Met Your Mother ended. And for some reason, I don't remember why exactly, but, like, it blew up and it didn't, like... Uh, I think the test viewers hated Greta Gerwig's performance. I think that's what it was. Really? No that's, way. That's what Greta said once on a talk show that like wow. they would always like like you could turn the knob right or left if you like or dislike something and they would always turn the knob left when they didn't like her. Now she's successful wow. as hell, so she doesn't have to okay. worry about this story. Uh, but I think anyway, it blew up and then she went on to have this incredible career. So like I am so even though I'm a fan of I Met Your Mother, I'm so fucking glad that she didn't get that. Uh because like now we have basically one of the best uh, directors working today, uh, writer directors, and like uh, like Holden said, her writing is like impeccable. Like it's so good, um, it's so relatable. But at the same time, it works with these crazy ideas of something that you can't really relate to. But like at the same time, she kind of makes it relatable. Uh, if that makes any like any sense, like when you relate to a freaking doll in Barbie, or in this case to a 15 year old girl even though you're a 27 year old dude watching it in a laptop screen <laughs> so um so yeah i also hadn't watched this movie until this week uh i'm so glad i watched it for this episode i love this movie so much and it's it's definitely already one of my favorite high school movies for sure and um yeah really cemented uh greta gerwig as one of the best uh writer directors right now for me it's kind of easy because there's so many high school movies made today for this one to have get lost in the crowd. But it was it was all because of Gerwig and Ronin and so on that it didn't and it got nominated for picture and director. I actually saw this one in theaters. This was back uh, a whole six years ago when movies that were nominated for Oscars would actually make money. Um, and this was like Thanksgiving oh, weekend. I remember those days. And this was like Thanksgiving weekend. So Coco had just come out on the same day or Justice League was playing Thor Ragnarok or you would have other Oscar movies you could watch like three billboards that year. And still my theater was completely full. I might've been one of the only guys there because I was there with my mom and a lot of uh, women, but I really did enjoy it. My crowd was laughing so much and so was I. 
Uh, I remember, you know, she meets Lucas Hedges and he's like, uh, yeah, I'm Irish, so it's hard to find someone to date who's not your cousin. Uh, that's one of my favorite lines, personally. Um, and uh, yeah, Lady Bird is a very interesting character because she's very much bent on making herself heard. Uh, she's very much a rebel in the classic sense, even though um, pers- I think jumping out of a moving car is a little uh, far. But um Besides but what's that, that first part? scene, like that, right away that tells you what <laughs> kind of like uh, uh, writer uh, Greta Gerwig, Greta Gerwig is. Because yeah. like the first scene, you're in this car, again, super relatable. We all had like stupid fights with our mom or a college visit when right you, after. Talking about you're in the car, they're taking you somewhere. Uh, you don't want to be there. They don't want you to be there either. Uh, you're just going at it, and we all. I'm sure we all had the thought. Man, I could so easily just jump out of this fucking car and leave this person talking to to themselves. Uh, so yeah, that that was the perfect way to start this movie. I think I think it's uh, one of probably one of the best like first scenes in like any high school movie. Just like really gets you going right away. You know this movie is gonna be funny. It's gonna be heartfelt. It's gonna be relatable. It's also like a bit semi autobiographical. Uh, she even based yeah. it in two thousand two to sort of like make her a bit of a character in it herself and uh really uh she's even said this that the root emotionally is the mother-daughter story um it's not you know will she get her heart broken by lucas hedges and timothy chalamet which we can get into that timothy chalamet kind of broke out because he had this and call me by your name at the same time uh, and he's kind of an icon but what a start. it's <laughs> yeah. yeah um <laughs> exactly um but it's I think like Lori Metcalf delivered such a good performance. I didn't really know much of her before. Like I only found out after that she voiced the mom in Toy Story 3. Um, in to- all the Toy Stories, sorry. Um, but she's wonderful. Like, of course, there's a scene where Lady Bird has to go off to college and she's crying in the car. Or uh, every conversation they have together. Like, um, you side with both of them, but they're both like on your nerves. Or, of course, that final moment is actually between... You know, they're now in opposite sides of the country, but it's um, it's her realizing uh, how it's important the closest they, it's, it's so beautiful. It's like the closest they ever been, and it's the furthest they ever been at the same time. So, like, it's like the perfect, like, uh, ending for that movie because she got what he want, what she wanted. Sorry to spoil, like, going to college and all that, going to the college that she wanted, and but she lost that connection that she basically didn't even know she had. You took it for mom. granted. She, in classic movie sense. Exactly. In classic, like, adolescent sense, I feel like. I feel like every kid in the world takes for granted whatever, like, their parents do for them and, like, uh, the sacrifice. And, um, like, for instance, I uh, just from our conversation here and knowing Gao and his relationship, his parents we all have pretty good relationships uh with, with our parents holden i'm guessing from uh, your relationship with your dad that he told <laughs> us a little bit about yeah um but it's something that like uh really grows with time and this movie really says really says that because when you're in high school you're hormonal you're angry you're 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 a bit of a bitch uh and you really can't see whatever your parents do and like yeah this Watching this movie as a twenty-seven-year-old that has a more healthy relationship with uh, with uh, his parents really does put you on that other side a little bit more, and like 
uh, it is something that everyone goes through, and she nails that. Both um, Sorose, uh, I, I, I'm never going to say her name right. So I'm going to say Sorose. I know that's wrong, but whatever. Uh, and Greta nailed that uh, that relationship like more than a lot of movies do. So, uh, yeah, shouts for that. If we want to give some closing thoughts and ratings, I'll say 9 out of 10. I think it's arguably one of the most influential movies of the 2010s. And I think it's one of the best high school movies ever made. I'll give it a... Uh... Oh. An eight out of Go ten. Ahead. I uh, I really liked it. Uh, definitely on my list of great high school movies. Uh, not making my top five though. I'm not sure where it stands, but I really enjoyed it, and, and I uh, really like Greta Gerwig as a filmmaker. So eight out of ten. Yeah, I'll go right in the middle of you guys. I go I'll go eight and a half uh, out of ten. But I do have a feeling that uh, upon a rewatch of this movie. It should go to a nine. Wow, that was a that was a really fun episode. Great time talking about high school movies, even though I haven't been in high school in like a decade. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, whatever. It, it was good to remember. Now I'll go back to my depression. Uh, so, uh, great, great episode. Thank you so much, Holden, for coming on the show. Thank uh, you for having again, me. Of course, it was a blast. Uh, again, go watch his movie. Just text him on Instagram. I uh, sent him a DM, a DM so you can watch his movie right now. Uh, it's a great movie. We just watched it. And Holden, where can people find you online? Uh, uh, Instagram, YouTube, all that. Uh, right there, on, it'll say uh, at Mo's Productions. That's my uh, production company. You can also find me on uh, just at Holden Pollock on Instagram. Uh, go check out my IMDb Uh Really quick plug, I'll say I'm writing my new movie is about a private investigator in 1975 Palos Verdes following um, a case revolving around Lunata Bay and some mysteries involved with that. Going to be like Indiana Jones mixed with the Big Lebowski mixed with Chinatown. So get ready for that. That's uh, wild. Yeah, it's going to be nuts. If you want to go check out the synopsis, it's on my IMDb. And... Uh, yeah, I'm thinking Chinatown, Big Lebowski. The catch, the tagline has to be "Forget it, Jake. Let's go bowling." Oh God, yeah, yeah. That they get ready, that, guys. Yeah. That sounds great, actually. I'm, uh, I'm kind of mad now that it's gonna take so long for us to watch it, but uh... it's called Sleuth Hound Screwball, and I'll send it to you guys as soon as uh, I'm done with it. I start That's filming. That's a great in name. December. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I'm excited. And you can find us at Film Fanatics Pod. Uh, we post our content on Instagram and uh, on our YouTube and Spotify and Apple Music on audio versions as well. Yeah, and remember to hit that subscribe button right there. We're really trying to make this YouTube channel work. Uh, we've been doing like the, the the audio podcasting for a few years. Uh, check the subscribe button and uh, go follow Gal, Holden, and myself uh, in our tags here. And 